I um, was honored to be at the GROW conference in Birmingham, Alabama this past week for three days of just uh, intense training and, and so forth. And uh, man, it was such a blessing to see and hear what God is doing and them pouring into us. And I'll tell you more about it in my sermon, but the pastor is Cajun. He's from, matter of fact, he's from Larry Stocksell's church. He grew up, that was his pastor. And um, he was all about Boudreaux, some guy named Boudreaux. Y'all may know more about Boudreaux than I do. But he was telling us about Boudreaux going to the doctor, and uh, he went in and was telling the doctor, everything hurts, doctor. He pointed to his arm and says, ah, oh, it hurts, doctor. My neck, oh, it hurts, doctor. Pointed to his leg, oh, it hurts, doctor. And the doctor looked at him and said, Boudreaux, your finger's broken. <laughs> Rest of you will get it on the way home. <laughs> Oh, he told a bunch of them, but I guess I better stop there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, glory, I hope you're ready today. Have you ever, have you ever heard somebody say, one day? I, uh, my brother-in-law, he, uh, he made a statement this, this past weekend. He said, one day when I win that lottery. One day. One day. And probably a bunch of you, have you said that before? You've, you've heard it, we've all heard one day. Well, I want to talk to you about your one day. Your one day. I want to start in 1 Samuel chapter 16, and I'm going to read four verses there. And I've got a lot of scripture I'm going to throw at you today, so I hope you're ready for it. But in 1 Samuel chapter 16, beginning with verse 10, and this is um, when Samuel comes looking for the king, for the next king. God had spoken to him, and he, was, he had to leave and flee in fear because he knew the king would kill him if he told him what he was doing. So he t God gave him a plan to take a, an oxen and go off for sacrifice and, and, and go to Jesse and have Jesse sacrifice with you. Anyway, uh, this is, he comes to the point, he comes to Jesse's house and God instructs him to look among Jesse's sons to anoint the next king to be. And uh, we pick up, um, and, and it says, let's just start reading. In verse 10 he says, Jesse had seven of his sons passed before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord's not chosen any of these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? Huh. And Jesse said, uh, They're still the youngest, but he's out tending sheep. And Samuel said, Send for him, and we will not sit until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in, and he was glowing with health. Hmm. I'm not going to speak on that, but there's a word to ponder. He was glowing in health. And I, I don't believe he's just talking about physical health. I think he was emotionally healthy. I think he was spiritually healthy. And that's next sermon. He said he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. I read this to Charlotte. She thought I was talking about me last night. But... <laughs> Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. I don't know who, who you are in this house, but 
I want you to grasp this morning that you cannot disappoint what God has appointed. No matter where you are in life, no matter what has happened, no matter what steps you have taken, what direction you have went, you cannot disappoint what God has appointed over your life. Some of you, that's a hard pill to swallow. You're saying, Pastor, you don't know where I'm at. You don't know what I've done. Ooh, you, you, you don't. You cannot disappoint what God has appointed. You see, you can't disappoint. When God has called your name, you can't disappoint. When God is ready to use you, you can't disappoint. When God gets ready to do a work in your life, you cannot disappoint. When God gets ready to send you forth, when God gets ready to raise you up, when God gets ready, as I'm believing He's going to do in this house today, stir that gift that is in you, you can't disappoint. When God gets ready to release you into your purpose, you can't disappoint. You can't do it. And I'm not sure who in the house I'm speaking to today but he's calling your name today. I believe he's calling some names this morning. He's going to call you by name. He, mm. He's going to call you by name. Prayer warriors, help me pray. we got to raise the dead this morning. You know, I find it amazing that God found David even when he was still out in the field. He wasn't in the lineup to be king. But God knew who he wanted to use, and he knew where he was at. You know, God didn't need for him to, to be invited by his brothers to get in the lineup. He knew where he was at. He knew where to find him. You, folks, what am I telling you there is you don't have to position, position yourself with men to be used by God. You don't have to position yourself. God will raise you up when he's ready to use you. You, you, don't, you, don't have to, hmm. you don't have to convince people that you're good enough to be used by God. Because I'm here to tell you, this is one old boy that could never meet that standard. Oh, don't look at me like that. Some of you there too. God, you don't have to convince folks that you're good enough for the grace of God. And I'm so grateful that God sovereignly chooses. He chooses sovereignly whom He will use. And He uses sovereignly whom He will. And He has chosen and He has selected. And He's put His hand on you. and he, He's chosen you for this hour. And when God is ready to use you, there is no devil in hell that can stop you. No matter what he may try to rear up, no matter what he may try to do, he can't stop you. He can't do it. Now, I, want, I don't want you to miss your turn. I don't want you this morning to miss your turn. You see, David's brothers thought they could eliminate one and narrow the chances and, and put him in the field and not even tell him that, that, that the seer was coming to anoint a new king and, and they left him out there. 
And I don't want you to miss your turn. When God says it's your time, he knows exactly where to find you. You you may try to hide. You may try to sneak around and, and hide from the call of God that he's called you to and the ministry he's called you to, but he knows where to find you. Don't stress it. Don't stress it. Don't worry about whether or not folks are, are, are going to appreciate your ministry or, or, or folks are, are even going to notice you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry whether they're going to call you by name. I mean, how many times have we went somewhere and said, okay, God, I could have done it this weekend at this conference. Father, there's over 5,000 people in this sanctuary. And if you're really calling me to do this, I want you to have him call me out by name. We laugh, but how often is that the way we approach God? He's going to find you. It doesn't matter because you cannot disappoint God, folks. He's a, when he has anointed you to do and he's chosen you to do, you can't. His grace is so sufficient. His grace is so bountiful. You know, if David had not been keeping sheep in the field, he would have never been prepared to lead the way he led. If David had not been in the field, folks, you see, what appeared, a shepherd was a very insignificant job. It was a very nasty job. It It was not a job that they lined up to get. It didn't have the CEO pay. They didn't want to be shepherds. But yet David was doing what apparently appeared to be an insignificant, an unappreciated job. But he was doing exactly what he needed to do to learn how to lead God's people. Wow. You know, I find this kind of humorous a little bit because... David gets anointed to be king. And right after the moment that David gets anointed to be king, you you can study and research, where does he go? He goes right back to where he was. He goes right back with those filthy, stinking sheep. You know, I would imagine... After you've just been anointed king, he jumps on his camel and he goes to Macy's and starts buying his kingly attire. He starts getting the purple robe, the crown, the rings. He goes to get the kingly attire. He gets ready to be king. I I mean, he really needs to get ready for this gig. He stinks being out in the field with a sheep. So he's got to get ready to be king. Yeah, yeah. Oh, come on now. You know what I'm talking about. He needs to get rid of the sheep smell and get rid of and, and get some brute by Fabergé or something. You know, he, he needs to cover up the smell. So he, he, you would think that he would go to get cleaned up and, and get ready and get his, get, get his kingly attire ready. And you know, sometimes we, we expect God when he announces a change in our life. And he announces to us and we sense a calling and we sense a directing in our life. We expect it to come to flourishment immediately. Come on now, we've got this instant gratification mentality. 
We want it like the McDonald's drive-thru immediately. Well, let's go Chick-fil-A drive-thru. They're quick. That's what we want. It's not the way God operates. Sometimes there's a period where we have to wait our turn. We don't like that, do we? We've got to wait our turn. And there are times that where God has us and the things that he's doing and, and, and it's on our behalf and we just don't even see it. David, David may not even understood, why am I back out here with these stinking sheep? He just anointed me to be king. But he went right back and did what God had called him to do at that phase and that time of his life. Wow. You see, there was a, it was on that day that David was announced to be king. However, it would be many years later that he would wear the crown. He was anointed, he was appointed, but it took many years before it came to flourishment. Wow. You know when you give your heart to Christ, instantly you're saved. Instantly you're forgiven. Instantly grace takes over. Instantly you're cleansed. In a moment you're redeemed. In a moment it all happens and he comes in and wow man, we feel so light. We feel so refreshed. We feel the unction of the Holy Spirit. But all that instantaneous sometimes is put on hold and it all changes when the new realities that have just happened, the forgiveness, the cleansing, the, the redemption, and it all happens and then all of a sudden we, we realize it's meant to produce in our life and what it's meant to produce, it does not happen immediately because there's a growth time. There's a period to grow. I remember when I told my pastor I was feeling like I was called into ministry and uh, he put me cleaning toilets. And you know what I did? This is the day. This is, and I cleaned toilets. And then I went home and said, Charlie, I'm called in ministry. Can you believe he made me clean toilets? Come on, you laugh. And you know... I see people all the time who, who get discouraged in the midst of this process and they give up on their destiny way too soon. They give up on their calling way too soon because they're not singing this is the day while they're cleaning the toilet. They're grumbling and complaining. And they give up way too soon because we get just a little bit confused because we want instant gratification. Why is pastor not giving me the microphone to preach yet? Why is he not letting me on stage? Why am I not singing yet? Have you listened to yourself? Am I not? Why will Pastor Eric not let me play the spoons with the praise team? I've not figured it out yet. I text him every week and tell him they're warmed up and ready and he won't let me play my spoons with them. Why? You know, we get, and we get frustrated and we give up and we quit. You see... David didn't go and start trying on crowns. He didn't start practicing his kingly wave. He went right back to the sheep. He went right back out there with those stinking, nasty sheep. I'm trying to tell you that sometimes you give up on what God is leading you to way too easily and you quit before it's your turn. God's raising some of you up. Don't quit. Don't stop. You see... 
don't give in to it. David went back to the sheep field and did what he was doing before he was anointed to be king until one day. Oh, come on. Somebody say, one day. One day. And one day he was given an assignment by his father. Wow. His father turns to him one day and he looks at him and says, Hey, David. Hey, David. Now, we know about Goliath. We know about the five stones and the slingshot. We know about him slinging the slingshot. We know about him running up to Goliath and, and taking his sword and chopping his head off and, and him taking his head and him carrying it. We know all about that. We, we, we get that. But do we recognize this part of the story? Yeah, I get it. Folks love to hear about Goliath. You know why? Because we all have one. We, we all have a Goliath. We all have something in life that's bigger than we are that we have to overcome and we've got to conquer. So we love to hear about David and Goliath. We, we love that story because everybody has something in life that is intimidating them. Everybody. So we love to hear the story because everybody has a fear. Everybody has an anxiety. Everybody has an addiction. And there are many different Goliaths. Many different. Some spend too much. Some eat too much. Some talk too much. Some judge too much. I'll stop right there. You get the picture. Amen? Everybody has a Goliath. You know what makes a good sermon? I love to preach it. I love, I got a slingshot from Israel, man. I love to bring it out. And I love to run over there. Whoa, and I got my sword that I take out and I love to act like I chop. His head's coming off, folks. The head's coming off of your. Oh, it's great preaching. It's great. But I want to look at something else today. Because I read this week that a lot of folks are trying to prepare for Goliath. And they get excited about hearing about Goliath. And they're preparing for a fight they'll never face because they never make it to Goliath. They never make it to Goliath. Because they give up too soon. They quit too soon. They don't go back to the sheep field and tend the sheep like David did. They're trying to prepare to kill an enemy they'll never face. One day. Come on now, one day, one day, I, I need y'all to help me preach here a little bit. I'm believing one day is your turnaround, and I'm believing today could be your one day. Turn to your neighbor and say, this could be your turnaround. This could be your turnaround, one day. One day, this giant from Gath named Goliath. He was confronting and defying the people of God for 40 days. And every day he would taunt them. And then Jesse comes to David one day. And listen to what he says in 1 Samuel 17, beginning with verse 17. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back, bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. 
Now, could you see David when David could have very easily looked at his dad and said, Do you know who you're talking to? Did were you not around when Samuel came in here and poured that all over my head? Now, Dad, really, this menial task to take some grain, some cheese and crackers, if you will, to my brothers at their camp. Now, you know, I can imagine if this happened in my house. I can imagine what my princesses would have said to me. Don't look at me like that, Emily. (laughs) You know, I'm talking about girls that I've had cars that say, Dad, you're not taking me to school in that. You're not taking me to school driving that. I can imagine I would say, okay, Emily, I want you to take cheese and crackers to your sister. She's out fighting. and, and, and we need, uh, Dad, who do, who do you think you're talking to? I'm the princess. Dad, were you not there when they anointed me and told me I was going to be the king? Dad, Dad, Dad I've got potential and purpose. Dad, uh, I'm royalty material. Come on, Dad. No way, Dad. You want me to go do this? I don't have time to run such menial errands. You know? I don't have time for this, Dad. I, I've got to finish shopping for my royal wardrobe, Dad. Now, come on. Bring it on home, if you will. Bring it on home to you. Why would I take cheese and crackers to the brothers who didn't even bring me in to get in the lineup to be anointed for king? Why would I take them? Samuel came looking for the next king and they didn't even tell me. And you want me to take cheese and crackers to them? You want me to go check on them? (laughs) Get them, Goliath. But you see, this was a test. This was a test. To see if David would be faithful in just the basic things. It was a test to make sure David would fulfill and David would do. You see, we want God to use us in these big things. And we won't even do the basics. I think I'll stay on stage for the next few moments. Well, what are the basics? You know, how in the... Folks, let's just get real in the house. How would God use us to do something big when we're not fulfilling the basics in our life? I'm going to ask you a question that was asked to me this week. How long has it been since you led somebody to Christ outside of these walls? That's what I thought. It's a basic command of Christ. A basic command of Christ. Listen to what he said. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into the harvest. Folks, he's called us to be those workers. That's our job description. That's what we're called to do. Let's look on down into Luke chapter 15, verses 18 through 20. It says this, Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles, the lost folk, not the Jews, those outside of the church, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced. In other words, I showed up and worked among them. I... We'll come back to that. They were convinced by the power of the miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. How long has it been since somebody at your job took notice of the power and the anointing of God that was on our lives? Ah. I better keep going. In this way I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Lyricum. My ambitions has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I have been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says those who have never been told about him will see and those who have never heard of him will understand. Folks, I'm just going to be blunt. Statistically, we good, but they ain't coming. Did you hear me? We're good. But they ain't coming. I knew it'd get quiet, Corbin. We talked about this yesterday. I heard a statistic that rocked my world this week, Mr. Bobby. 53% of Americans have no idea who Jesus is. It's a word they use on the golf course. They have no idea who Jesus is. And the gentleman who's given the statistic, many of you know John Maxwell, he, he's speaking and he's telling us this. And he says, if I go into corporate America, and he does all the motivational and all the things for these big fortune companies, and he does a lot. He, he said, if I went into one of these companies, and I said, 53% of America has no idea who you are, has no idea what your brand is, has no idea. He says, you know what they would do? They would immediately begin a marketing campaign and begin to learn how to attract and get known amongst that 53%. Immediately. He said they would bar no expense to get into that 53%. And here's what he said. And I sat there and wept like a baby. He said, they care more about sales than we do souls. Father. Paul tells us, I entered their world, but I didn't enter their ways. Ooh. I entered their world, but I didn't enter their ways. 
In other words, he's saying, you don't have to be like them to enter into their world. But, church, you have to like them. This is church is not us for no more. I might as well go on there. Yeah, we want to be seeker friendly to an extent. We want them to know where we stand. We want to know what we believe, but we want to love them. We want them to know. But how long has it been since we went out looking for the seekers? How long has it been since we went after them? This is the menial task, going back to the sheep as David did. David went right back tending to those same old sheep that God had called him to. And if we can't be faithful and go back to the sheep, how can we ever step into the position that he has destined for us? Bottom line, I'm going to go back to David. Go and share. It's our responsibility. I'm going to tell you after hearing this, I'm expecting all of you all to have to sit in the foyer next Sunday because you brought so many folks to the house of God. I was, ta- I was taught a reality that I've known before, but it just hit me again. He looked at us, he said, Pastors, you are called to train and lead. The congregation is called to minister. You're called to minister. There are people you come in contact with tomorrow that are expecting you to cuss them up one side and down the other. What are they going to do when you begin to show them the love and grace of Jesus Christ? Okay, back to David. (laughs) You know, and I love David's heart because at this point in the story, man, he he had done what he was supposed to do. He had been out there getting disciplined and, and trained, and, and everything basically could have stopped right here when his dad asked him to go deliver these cheese and crackers. If he'd have said, I, I'm not doing that because I'm king material. I'm not doing that. You, you are demeaning me by asking me to do that, Pastor. Dad, I mean. You're doing You're doing You know, there's so many ways that we disobey God. I mean, little things that he asks us to do. Let's just break it down for a second. Like call your sister in Christ and apologize. Or how about sitting down with someone who looks a little different than you and listening to their story. I'll never forget the homeless guy's face when uh, he was sitting in Arby's and I'd stopped there for lunch about a year ago I guess or maybe less and the uh, Holy Spirit spoke to me to buy his lunch so I went and I, I said have you ate yet brother and he says no 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 so I went and bought him lunch and I set it down I started to walk away and the Holy Spirit just wham where are you going Scott Verbage sit your tail down there and listen and I sat down and said well tell me your story what's going on and he was like you're kidding me you're going to sit here and talk to me you're going to listen to my story. There are people you come in contact with every day that are begging for somebody to listen where they're at. Listen. You know, it's so funny that so many folks want to kill Goliath. But we don't want to tend the sheep that he's placed us amongst. We don't, we don't want to make the deliveries with cheese and crackers. We don't. Mm. 
We want the big victories. We want to take Goliath now. Wham! And there's nothing wrong with that. We should want that. But we've got to be faithful with the cheese and crackers and the sheep. You start with the sheep, and then you go to the cheese and crackers, and then here comes Goliath. He's preparing you. He was preparing David. David was getting ready for the big feats. You know, how in the world can God use us to kill Goliath if we're not faithful in the sheep? i got to hurry. I'm out of time. You know, the Bible says, and I think this is why God chose David. I love David. I love David's heart. I, I, I love David because at one time in David's life, you're going, yeah, David, way to go. And at other times in David's life, you're going, David, 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 what were you thinking? You know, I, I love David. I can relate to David. And I believe this is, this is why God used him because every time we see David he, in scriptures, he's moving, man. I mean, and now we're at the point where he's running to Goliath. But you've got to understand, before he ran to Goliath, we've got to look at verse 20. And chapter 17, verse 20, it says, Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up, and set out as his father had instructed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Eric, if you guys will come real quick, if you don't mind, just quickly, quietly, fastly. Get up here like yesterday. I'm so thankful for these guys. I'm so thankful. We are so blessed by this group right here. I just uh, thank God for them. And you want to hear some stories? Right here, some stories. Of how they've tended sheep and gotten to where they're at. You know, 17 and 21 Samuel says that early in the morning he left. He packed up his stuff. And he went to do as his father had instructed him. And you know, David had no idea what we know because of 1 Samuel 17. He had no idea that this was 1 Samuel chapter 17. And you know, it's, it's really easy for us to interpret because we know the end. We know that he left and we went and killed. He had no idea what was in store for him. He just knew he was taking cheese and crackers to his brothers and their leader. I'm just going to take cheese and crackers to him. Okay, so my dad asked of me, that's what I'm going to do. Children, did you hear that? This is what my parent asked. That's what I'm going to do. Scriptural. I'm going to do it. David had no idea what the ending was going to be. You know, from David's perspective, it was just another Monday morning. Oh, let's go to the post office at 4 o'clock in the morning, Bob. Just another day. Ordinary day. But it was one day. That didn't crank your tractor like it did mine. It was that one day. From David's perspective of, uh, of his human side, it was just another day. And sometimes God will, will wrap his destiny in what we perceive as just another day. Another day. 
Corbin starts his first teaching job tomorrow and has his first students tomorrow. And he may think it's just a, an ordinary day of being a teacher in a classroom, but, but it may be his one day. God may place that student that, that needs him more than anybody's ever needed him. It could be his one day. And if he doesn't go in there with the right attitude and expecting, he could totally miss it. And I pick at Corbin because I know he's going in with the right heart and the right attitude. He loves God and he loves kids. He didn't know that the same day that he was delivering cheese and crackers to the battlefield would be the same day that he stood over Goliath and won! And won! He didn't know what he would have missed if he had been like some of us and said, Dad, I can't today. Sorry, Dad, I, gotta, I, I, I can't do it, Dad. And I want to close with this story that happened to me this week. This church I went to is absolutely amazing. God has raised up Pastor Chris Hodge in a, a phenomenal way. And in 18 years, he's grown a church from meeting in his living room to this past Easter, Easter they had over 160,000 people. Yeah, you heard right, 160,000. He's doing something right. And you know the number one thing he's doing? Praying. For 18 years, every Saturday, they've met at 9 o'clock and prayed. And I'm just going to throw this out here. The Lord's laid on my heart to do two, two 21 days of prayer and fasting every year. And tomorrow starts the middle of the year, so I'm starting tomorrow. I will be here at 6 o'clock. If you want to join me, come for an hour. We're going to pray. And I'm, if you want to fast with me, we're going to fast. I'm not going to tell you how to fast. I, we fast different, but I'm just throwing it out there. For the next 21 days. Saturday will be at 9 o'clock, and, and we will not meet on Sunday. Just preparation for Sunday. But anyway, it's back to my story. We're there at this beautiful facility with over 5,000 people there for a conference. And over 1,000 volunteers every single session working, smiling, laughing, loving. And I met a guy. He came up to us. and <laughs> Kind of goofy guy, you know. Hey, man, what's happening? And he gave us five. And, and, and I looked at his name tag. And I'll never forget his name as long as I live. His name is Gravy. Gravy, you said you're going to listen. If you're listening, thank you. So as I talked to Gravy, Gravy owns his own IT business. He's got a, a, a big business that he runs doing IT all over Birmingham, Alabama. And I said, okay, well, what do you do here, Gravy? He said, oh, dude, I got the best job here. I said, really? What, what do you do? He said, dude, you're not going to believe me. What do, you, what do you do, Gravy? He said, I'm the head of my team. Oh, cool. What do you do? What's your team, Gravy? One of the guys with us from Florida looked at him and said, would you please just tell us what you do? He said, dude, I'm the trash man. I'm over the trash team. All I do is take out trash all the time. I've got a whole team that works with me. He said, you know what I love? You got to be humble to work on my team. You got to have humility to work with me. You got to be willing to carry trash. And I'm telling you, all week long, Joker's carrying trash bags and throwing them into the trailer all week long. And he's got a group of, a group of 20 or more 
And man, every time you see them, they're carrying trash and they smile, they love on you, they would laugh, they would cut up, they would sing, they, would, they were loving what they were doing because they were designed for that. That was their ministry. That was his transition period. Who knows where God is going to take gravy because he's faithful with the trash. We need some men. We need some women. We need some young folk. Just step up and say, okay, I get it. I got to start being faithful to what God's called me to. I got to start sharing Jesus. I got to start giving them Jesus. Jesus said, go preach. Give them the kingdom. Tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, he said, give them me. Go give them Jesus, folks. Stand with me. We're going to close in prayer. sat in my room Wednesday night and uh, Pastor Tony and I shared a room. You guys know Pastor Tony from Farmer. And I looked over to Tony and I said, you know what? I said, I don't know about you, but I'm just going to ask God to make me more like gravy. Make me more like gravy, God. And maybe you're in here today and you, you need to do the same thing I did. Say, God, make me like gravy. Make me like David to go back to the sheep. They stink. They're dumber than a rock. Let me go back. Father, right now, use us. Use us. To tell a community that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Use us. And let us be faithful in delivering your word to a lost and dying. So that you can grow us and mature us to where you want us to be. And Father, all over this house, I feel today you're just calling for commitment. You're calling for commitment. <laughs> to have that attitude of David and be like David. And God, as this worship team begins to lead us, I am believing that today <laughs> is somebody's one day. You may be here and you've been faithful and today's your day. He's going to elevate you. You may be here and you need to make that commitment to be faithful. And he's going to begin a process with you. Some of you he wants to raise up. But he's got to teach us. Father, right now, teach us. In Jesus' name.